Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Hey, marketing leaders and business leaders, welcome to The Marketer's Journey. And today we have a fun guest. Uh, Scott Vaughn is someone who I've followed for a long time on social real big thought leader around everywhere from the media space to MarTech in general, where he is the chief growth officer at Integrate. Now, you may be saying, is that an actual chief marketing title? Well, Scott was the CMO there for over five years, and they scaled to a point that I find very interesting, which is they got to a point where they had so much opportunity that kind of lived in between, as he says, sales, marketing, and success. And as a result, he jumped into this role to get more in the weeds, get in front of customers. And today on the podcast, we unpack this idea of even just being more customer-centric. And I think that's something that all of us can relate to. I think you'll relate a lot to the interesting path that Scott has taken from the dot-com days to the MarTech days today. Without further ado, here's our guest, Scott Vaughn. Hey, Scott, thanks so much for taking time. I know this is one of the few days you're not traveling, but still I'm managing to get you in a remote opportunity to talk about your journey. Maybe you can unpack for people starting with where you are today, what Integrate's all about, and what your title is there. Yeah, uh, thanks, Randy, for having me. A uh, big fan and love to see people really accelerate their career and and figure this stuff out. But today, I'm the Chief Growth Officer at Integrate. And for those of you maybe not familiar with Integrate, we're a high-growth SaaS company in the marketing and the revenue technology space. We're about 300 people, and we're at that pivotal point now where growth levers are extremely important. So instead of running a functional area, what I do is I sit and bind together in a catalyst for sales, marketing, customer success, and pulling product through into the market. And so what that means is there's some functional areas that are really high growth for for Integrate today. My background's in marketing and sales, but this position allows me to focus on working with our top customers as they become more strategic in the way they use marketing and revenue technology It allows us to work with a myriad of technology partners like LinkedIn and Bombora, On24, all the integrations with a company like Integrate, you've got a lot of tech partners. Mm -hmm. We also have a lot of services partners, people that are putting together all the revenue, data process and technology. And then last, really exciting, we've exploded um, and come on the scene in Europe. So that's a big growth lever for us. So I've been really focused on working with the team on the ground there. So very That's different helpful. than the CMO role I've had. Yeah, and, and and Scott, I really appreciate you kicking it off with explaining what a CGO means or chief growth officer for those who don't know that acronym quite yet. And I think a lot of people even who have listened to this podcast before may be saying, okay, well, Randy, you usually have a you know VP of marketing or a CMO, but this is probably our first growth executive. <laughs> I mean, we we've you know, we all know that there's the you know the growth marketer title. How, how do you think your career led you to the point to be able to, as you said, I, I, what I found interesting, oversee a combination of success, marketing, and sales. Like Those are three different areas. You know, have you gone into to see some of that? And maybe you can take us back to some of the early days that lined you up here. Sure. Um, 
I'm not an accidental marketer. I'm actually one of the rare nerds that became a marketer out of school and took a Marcom job in the kind of traditional branding and product marketing. In the mid-2000s, I got attracted somehow to the whole marketing automation movement and believed I could be a revenue marketer. Um, (laughs) So uh, my career took off then really in this direction. But I went from marketing and product marketing to sales and sales management. Um, And that I was uh, really focused heavily on product. I was in the field a lot, and I thought, man, I can do this. And these guys seemed to be making a few more bucks. And I was being brought in to to guide the clients and and customers on strategy or adoption. So I did that for about 10 years. And then I was that was the company called CMP Media, correct? Yeah, correct. That's right. And uh, it was the heyday of the CIO and IT. So I was a, a driver behind one of the drivers behind Information Week and it was unbelievable the kind of clout and power in the day of the CIO and IT that that brand had. And I learned a lot about creating a point of view when you needed to compete in the newsroom and headlines. That that was a big deal. And from so, there... So oh, I'm just curious, a quick question there before we move on to, I, I think it's UBM Tech Web where you went next, but... You know, you talk about being in the field and having to interact with marketing. You know, again, that probably lines you up well to this CGO type of focus. What was sales and marketing alignment looking like back in, as you said, the mid-2000s versus where we are today, where we, we can't you know, finish a conversation without that coming up? Yeah. You know, when I reflect on it, I don't think we thought about sales and marketing alignment. They were two different roles, that that period of time, I think as, as when, once the digital world came along and sellers, uh, excuse me, buyers became more anonymous, <laughs> that they could do research on you through the web and maybe even through peer networks more uh, easily, uh, marketing was called to the table to begin to contribute to the process by generating leads. We all know that this, the dawn of that day. And, and Absolutely. And, and so I don't think at that point it was really about marketing and sales alignment. It's really this, this chapter that was so interesting as uh, modern marketing kicked off about a decade ago that we saw marketing come to the table as revenue marketers and contributing all at different levels at different companies. But that's really when you heard the talk. If you fast forward to that, Randy, what I see is <clears> – <throat> Uh, unintentionally, an arms race between sales and marketing in many companies. So if you think about it, marketing started to contribute. They sent the leads to sales. Sales goes, ah, these aren't very good. Some call them junk or invalid. Right. So marketing okay. games up, builds a badass tech stack, takes a bunch of data, tries to improve with lead scoring, even gets into the sales game by cold calling with their, their MDR teams and qualifying and research and discovery and really doing what traditional sales tasks were doing. Send over the leads, sales is still a little skittish. Meanwhile, sales is over in the corner and they're creating their own sales tech stack and they say, well, we'll do the marketing job. We'll do the outreach. And right. you know, yeah, like a, the modern day marketing automation tools that, you know, yeah, sales automation, well, sales automation tools. And before long, they're in direct competition and we don't even know it. So despite the words about alignment, we're actually probably splintered a little bit more today because of it. And I think what you're seeing now or what we'll see in the next year or two is really a more of a coming together of a more formal revenue organization. 
Um, you're hearing words like revenue operations to try to bring some of the operational rigor and cut down some of that competition or so to speak, or overlap. So it'll be real interesting to watch the next chapter. Absolutely. So you're, you're teasing well to the second segment where we're, we're going to dig into how you map a buyer journey, but I, I want to get back to, to how your career evolved because you know, you went as, as you said, from more of this publishing world to maybe more of a, of a mix of worlds when you got to UBM, because they were kind of a, a combination in my mind of publishing and technology brought together. Is that fair? That's a hundred percent accurate. It was a technology company, a services company with media at the center. And so my background, early background in software was extremely, I think, valuable in, um, and also having to run a P&L um, at CMP Information Week, being able to run a business because we started to break out businesses. For example, that career led me to be really um, not just a publisher anymore, but um, really run a business unit and a set of services around demand gen and content that was delivered that, that grew astronomically with a phenomenal team that came together really during that big push post.com, a big push into the digital world. And that really became a services leadership role. So that was business leadership. So I, I'm curious, uh, you know, within the, uh, let's call it roughly five years, maybe six years that you were at UBM, you got that opportunity to move from the VP level to the C level, which I know a, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are trying to think, okay, how do I, how do I map my career in that direction? And Maybe you could talk about what it was that gave you that break. Now, you know, as we know, you're a CGO, so you've gone to even that next level or, or thinking forward. But how did you get to the C-suite in your mind? I thought I was a business person first, uh, flat out. If you ask and I reflect back, that's the difference. I could tell you everything about our business, the market, the competition, the financials. And then I happen to have that marketing mindset um, of the functions and I always had it from a customer centric and sales view. So I kind of, that was an opportunity to really mash up that uh, ability to be a business person and, and, and certainly running the services business gave me the next level of operational rigor that was required. So, um, man, you're really making me reflect, Randy, as I go that's, through this. That's what this is all about. It's, <laughs> it's quite a journey when we think about it. But yeah. we, we've, we've somewhat got back here to the Integrate days, and I know that, that you're really passionate about that type of buyer journey that you're creating for, your, for buyers today and the way that comes together. We're going to dig into that, Scott. But we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsor here on The Marketer's Journey. We'll be right back to hear more what it means to be a Chief Growth Officer. Want to create high converting experiences for your demand strategies that accelerate pipeline and drive revenue? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and Stantec are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies and we created one just for you head to uberflip.com journey to see how uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences to drive demand welcome back to the marketer's journey we've got scott joining us and we are 
unpacking a lot when it comes to the complication of the buyer's journey. And Scott, you get to see this firsthand because you're in the MarTech world. And as you said, you've seen the past and to where we are in the present. I think you called it splintering of different teams and different solutions. What do you think this actually means for our buyers? Well, I think we're in a really interesting time. There's a couple of dynamics going on. One is we're living in a bit of an age of anxiety and complexity. And if you think if you're a buyer today, think how much digital disruption is going on. So as soon as you make a choice, (laughs) it could be obsolete. And so what (laughs) we see, and I've been looking and following the Gartner CEB research very closely, and what they've identified is even though many uh, buying groups are, are motivated to change, the decision confidence is very difficult because they look up and they see obstacles. So they've, you've gone through a process in the buyer's journey, but you get to a point and they'll go, you know what? That's too hard to change. And so things start to get delayed. You're talking about internal change management. Yeah. It, I think that's a really big issue today. And, and uh, again, CEB Gartner calls it decision confidence crisis um, because of all the noise and everything going on out there and what it really takes to implement change. It's not just buying a technology, for example. It's so Absolutely. much more. You know, it was a couple of years ago, I was, I was at the uh, MarTech conference, and I was, I was there to speak, but I was walking down one of the aisles just to see you know, the mix of vendors there. And all I thought to myself was how overwhelming that would be as, as a marketer, if I was in the purchase decision, I mean, I, I wasn't in a buying cycle myself, but I just looked around and I said, what does all this do? It's, it's quite overwhelming to your point. Yeah, well, we are. And um, I cannot stand the word stack. And the fact that people go and show off on social and at events and the cameras go off and people put up the logos uh, of their own stack Uh, We shouldn't be showing it off like a trophy. Those should be in the form of workflows, backbones. So it's a personal mission to try to eliminate this whole concept of a stack. I also think that logo chart is is crap. I I don't think that's reality. It's a distraction (laughs) and it's noise. Every market has that. I think our uh, we're made up of marketers, so maybe our marketing is a little bit heavy on that. Um, The reality is that if you think about modern marketing and how we kicked off, it was driven a lot by the marketing automation platform providers. Naturally over time, they were trying to build an ecosystem and then they got absorbed, bought by these big Goliath software companies. So a lot of the innovation stalled and a lot of what happened is a lot of one-off tools, not companies, but tools came in to start to solve individual siloed problems. And so before long you had an explosion and really, ironically, what's happened is the innovation has stalled in the marketing and I would argue even revenue tech world. We're in a bit of a lull today. Not that we won't come roaring back, but that innovation that was really pushed onto the provider and the vendors, I think is really coming back. The innovation has to come from the buyers and the B2B teams that are driving the change management. It's what you do with the, the technology, the data, and how you really uniquely apply the experiences and the processes. And, Absolutely. I, and I think that's why there's so much pressure, Randy. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think you, you use that word anxiety earlier. It's a very emotional word. And, and yeah. I think sometimes we, we get so caught, as you said, in technology, people who listen to this podcast have probably heard me say before the, the way I think about it very often is 
you know, that triangle of people, process, and technology. And but what when I when I talk to my own team, I say like technology is the last thing that we should buy. You know, the yes. first thing we need we need great people. Like plain and simple, people drive and people get things off the ground. You know, when you know to scale the things that we do, we need a process. When that process is starting to break, that's when you bring in the technology. And that technology can, you know, take those people, take their processes to the next level. I think that's extremely accurate. I think there's the pressure to innovate in the digital disruption. People skip to technology, maybe looking at it as a holy grail or a savior or a hope that that can uh, help accelerate things or, or solve something. And it's very natural human behavior. That's not a judgment. I, I know I've overbought and got a little bit drunk on technology myself. Absolutely. Um, so that, that's a very natural part, especially when we're kind of in the first generations in marketing. We didn't have technology, you know, a decade ago. Now we have a, a plethora of it. Yeah, the, the term I've heard out there is MarTech fatigue, is, is some of us are starting to get that feeling. Now, in what you do at Integrate, you are on the front lines, as we've talked about before, you and I, and you know, you're probably chatting with a lot of CMOs. As we go into 2020, just entering that, what, what are you hearing from CMOs as you're out on the road in terms of their focus going forward? So a couple of really big things. There's no doubt there, there's three real drivers, I think, that, that I hear consistently. One is putting the customer at the center of everything. And this is not a rah-rah moment. This means customer experiences, more human touch, um, the ironic part of against automation in some ways, right? Or automation may power it. You're hearing that we don't stop at net new anymore. There's a full life cycle. There's revenue and relationships to be gained throughout the entire journey. And we're also hearing really important part of the, the customer world today is that uh, ability to delight the customer and the happiness factor and having a purpose. So that's one area that's really big. The second area that's really big is really trying to balance this buyer-seller dynamic in how you become more relevant. And the word I'm hearing a lot is everybody's got great content. You know that from your chair. <laughs> so that's no longer a strategic advantage. So you have to figure out how to uh, deliver extreme value in a unique way and take some of the friction out of the buyer-seller process without trying to do sales job. Very difficult to do. Yeah. Under CMOs are under a lot of scrutiny. So, I, I mean, those two themes are so important. Uh, you know, that can tell you for our, our fiscal 2020, they're, they're very much baked into our, our vision and mission and how we rally our team and, and talk to our customers, as you said. What are maybe a couple of, of tactical ideas that people listening to this podcast can go if they want to be more, you know, we'll call it customer centric, as you said, and more aligned in terms of thinking about not the journey we want to create, but the journey that our customers want to take? Well, one of the things I often find lacking, and I'm just fortunate, I've always, I was, I guess, grown up and taught and drilled into my head. That's why I'm in market a lot, listening and working with customers is step one should be go out and make sure you're allocating enough time to spend time in their world, to understand, not from a persona perspective and, and academically or theoretically, but understand and bringing that customer voice into your dialogue, into your experiences, 
and, and really try to get that flywheel going in that in a meaningful way. And that's something that I see great companies do. They, we always know about doing case studies and advocacy and those, those are great, but I'm talking about pulling them into the movement with you, making them part of the, the journey and the process. But to do that, you, you can't do it from behind your desk or you can't do it. You've got to go out and shake hands. You've got to go on their financial services floor. You've got to see it, touch it, feel it. And I think when you do that, you have such a distinct advantage that you can understand the nuances and, or find the extreme value that go beyond messaging and positioning that's kind of a, stuff. That's, that's one tactic I see that is missing. I'm, I'll put you on the spot here with one quick question. Have you, in, in your career, have you had any success or attempts with the customer advisory board? Yeah, so I actually run the one at Integrate. Uh, Jeremy, our CEO, we, we have a group that focuses on it, but I get to organize it. And Nice. And, how, and how often I, a year do you get that group together? So it's, it's one time a year face-to-face around our Game Changers conference. This year, we're going to three times and we're going to regional. And we're going to have a couple of different levels. We're going to have an executive, which is going to be a little bit more looking out the telescope. And then we're going to have a customer, which will have both a product and a strategy component to it. And that'll be more looking out the windshield. Absolutely. What do they no, need in the next six to 12 months? Absolutely. So I'm really excited about it. That, that's something we've architected here across the strategic leadership team at Integrate. That's great. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of success here at Uberflip with customer advisory boards too. I mean, you know, just a tip to everyone. I can, and, and those who are on my customer advisory board listening to this may, may feel like I'm using them now, but, you know, our retention rates and our growth rates with those customers are well above any of our other customers. You know, it, it's just once they belong, as you said, then they're along for the ride and we're able to, to build products and market to them in a more meaningful way. Yeah, and it's give and get. But you're also, when they pick up the bat phone, guess who's going to get a response yeah. and, and make, make sure the magic's happening and that you're delivering ultimate premium value to their investment in your relationship. So it's a give and get. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the other thing for everybody's listening, that's another thing. Think about if you can be on advisory board. One is because you can learn the business side of things and understand the strategy of your companies and your providers. But the other hand, you're really elevating your conversation in the way you think about go-to-market. You think about business. So that's another side of it. There's the, the give and the get is when we ask someone to come on an advisory board, they're in a pretty cool peer network and they're getting exposure to a lot more than they would say as a, just as an average marketing professional. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Scott, this has been amazing. You're able to share such insights from your career. We're going to get you to stick around, share a little bit from your personal side of things, as well as how you take breaks amid these busy schedules. We'll be right back here on The Marketer's Journey with Scott. Welcome back to The Marketer's Journey. Scott Vaughn, you are a busy guy, climbing your way to chief growth officer. As you told me earlier, rarely not traveling. But when you're not, how do you take breaks from traveling for work, from being absorbed by work to be with you know, the people that are important to you? Yeah, well, I bring them with me, by the way, as a secret, whenever I can. I love to travel and I love to explore. I'm curious. I like to see new things. I think it also opens your mind as a marketing and as a business leader to see things from a different light. 
but I definitely take at least two weeks, usually separated, full shutdown, which means that you can go into not just spending time with the people. I feel like I get to do a fair amount of that, but really allowing your brain to rest off the topics that are swirling all the time. You have to commit to it. You have to shut down, especially, frankly, the more pressure you're going to get. If you don't turn your brain off, it's not going to work. So usually it's this holiday time is an incredible time to do that. You usually get you get seven to 10 days, depending on how the days fall, as you know. Yeah. And then I usually try to pick another time when we're on a we're on a fun quest somewhere that we've identified a place we want to go check out. Nice. So in the last year or so that has been or that's coming up, what's going to be the best trip in your mind that you've taken? So we have a couple things. Um, we went to Croatia and, and did one of those catamarans, a small group. Oh, wow. That's um, great. Uh, last summer. And then as we look kind of to this year, we got a couple of cool things. But one of them is I've never been to the lakes around Italy and Switzerland. And believe it or not, I've been to all but three states, New Mexico, Vermont, and Alaska, for those interested. <laughs> and so we're going to knock down one of those with a drive. I'm starting to get into, instead of going you know, out of the country, to start to do a little bit more road trip inside the U.S. to, to explore it at a different level and not just buzzing through the airport and off to meetings. That's great. That's great. Well, Scott, this, is, this has been a ton of fun. If, if people want to learn a little bit more about you, where should they go? Where's the best spot to, to follow you? I love to compare and share notes. It's kind of a hallmark thing I believe in. So you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Scott Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N. I like to connect. I like to talk shop. Uh, I like to talk creativity. And uh, that's probably the easiest and the best way to do it. And of course, integrate.com, you can find me as well. Beautiful. Scott Vaughn, thank you so much. For everyone who's tuned in to this episode of The Marketer's Journey, if you've enjoyed learning from Scott, check out the rest of our episodes. Every week, I'm talking to a senior marketing leader. I'm learning a ton. I hope you are too. Until next time, this has been The Marketer's Journey and excited to hear about your journey one day. Take care. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 